Hi, uh, this is uh, KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. The opinions expressed on the show are not necessarily those of the regents of the University of California, uh, nor the management of management of KUCI. This is Dan Tsang, uh, with Subversity. Today we're going to be uh, talking about Vietnam uh, and um, about um, the role of the state uh, in Vietnam during the period before um, rec- uh, reunification, before the country was liberated. Uh, and uh, we uh, have the honor of, uh, on, with us on the phone is Professor from uh, Butler University, uh, Xiaorong Hang. Welcome. Thank you. Yes, uh, you just did... Um, uh, article that was published in the uh, Journal of uh, uh, Asian Studies. And, uh, 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 sorry, the, the full uh, title of the journal international uh, is... International Journal. Yeah, international. international. A, yeah. <laughs> sorry, uh, sorry, that's another journal. Yes, uh-huh. uh, International Journal of Asian Studies uh, on uh, overseas Chinese or on the Chinese in North Vietnam from 54 mm-hmm. to 78. And mm-hmm. why did you um, do that kind of research, that research... Uh, because I know I understand uh, most of the people focus on the Chinese in South Vietnam, and there is very little research on that. And so, what got you interested in doing that research on the Chinese in the northern part of uh, Vietnam? Uh, you have actually explained that uh, uh, for me. I uh, I did my research on the Chinese in North Vietnam uh, mainly because. Um, uh, there has been little research on that uh, subject. And uh, uh, when I was in China in the late 70s and early uh, 80s, and I read uh, a lot of news articles on the newspaper about uh, the the event, uh, how they left uh, Vietnam and how they were settled uh, in uh, southern China. So that's how I got interested in uh, in that, and actually, I did a master's thesis uh, on that uh, subject, um, uh, and I did that in the 1990s at a Tulane University Anthropology Department. Uh, Tulane, oh wow! And uh, so uh, now you're a history professor at mm-hmm. at, uh, at Butler University in Indianapolis, and mm-hmm. were you able to go? Uh, you were, you went to China and Vietnam to gather your resources, your sources, to talk to your sources. Uh, uh, yes, I, I made a trip to uh, Vietnam uh, and also southern China uh, in 2007, and I went back to southern China in 2008. Um, uh, so I was able to uh, visit uh, the libraries and, um, and uh, uh, bookstores and uh, talk to some uh, scholars uh, who have done research on the Chinese in Vietnam uh, in both China and, uh, and Vietnam. And I... I got uh, much help from them. Oh, good. And you visited archives, right, also? Um, uh, uh, not exactly, I think. <laughs> no, not that. <laughs> Cause, oh, oh. Uh, yeah, because uh, uh, there are not many archives that I, I can have access to. Oh. So basically, it's, uh, uh, it's based on uh, library, I would say library uh, research. Oh. Uh, uh, most of the materials I used are published, uh, published newspapers, um, uh, articles, and books. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Um, you know, the focus here, I'm in uh, Southern California, and the focus mm-hmm. here is on Little Saigon, which is in Westminster in Orange County, where uh, UC Irvine is located. And mm-hmm. 
a lot of times the community uh, uh, just focuses on the Vietnamese in Orange County, and <coughs> it kind of uh, doesn't uh, notice that a lot of the Vietnamese have uh, ch- Chinese backgrounds. Uh, <coughs> the Vietnamese uh, boat people, for instance. Uh, how <coughs> many? How many of those were? How what percentage of the boat people, for instance? Uh, that came from Vietnam were ethnic Chinese. Um, there are, I mean, I have come across many different uh, estimates, and according to one of those estimates, which was met in 1978, and 85%, according to this estimate, 85% of the boat people were ethnic Chinese. Uh, but I'm not sure how reliable that estimate is, uh, because we often got conflicting. Uh, numbers. Uh, for example, according to another estimate, uh, the total number of surviving uh, boat people is 1.6 million. And according to the same estimate, about one-third of the boat people died before reaching uh, their destinations. Oh. And therefore, the total number of boat people leaving South Vietnam would be over 2 million, uh, uh, according to this estimate. Right. And if 85% of these 2 million uh, were Chinese, then there should not be many Chinese left in South Vietnam after that, uh, because uh, I think many people believe that the total number of Chinese uh, in South Vietnam at that time was uh, between 1 and 2 million, uh, I mean, before their exodus. And, and so, then, yeah. according to uh, the Vietnamese government, there were still nearly 1 million uh, Chinese in South Vietnam in 1989. So that means some of these numbers are problematic. They are not uh, re- reliable. Right? Uh, uh, what I can say is that uh, I think the Chinese, uh, they formed a very high percentage uh, of the boat people, but probably not as high as 85%. And a lot of the people actually went uh, into China, right? Because a lot of the people that had migrated to northern Vietnam or northern mm-hmm. Vietnam had uh, just went back into China. Yeah, most of those uh, uh, Chinese who went back uh, to China, they were from northern Vietnam, oh. and a very few of them were from southern Vietnam. And uh, most of the boat people, uh, they came from the south. Uh, but some of them did originally live in the north, right? Uh, did some mm-hmm. of them? Yeah. 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 Yeah, and then they moved to the they moved to the south. Uh, I think a large group of them uh, moved from the north to the south in 1954. Uh, when Vietnam was uh, divided along the 17th parallel after the Geneva uh, Conference, there were uh, there was talk. I guess they were afraid there was going to be a massacre, uh, and so that scared them, and they moved out of the north. Um, did you find any? Um, any yeah, ev- I mean, most yeah. of these people they were um, yeah, you may uh, describe high uh, communists. Yeah, yeah, they were Catholic. A lot of them were Catholic. Mm-hmm. Many of them were uh, were businessmen as oh, well. Yeah, yeah, and uh, so the people. Uh, yes. Yeah, and uh, of course there was uh, there there were also Chinese who moved. The other uh-huh. one. Yeah, there were also Chinese who moved from uh, the south to the north. Right. And uh, many of them were uh, were members of the Communist Party or communist uh, sympathizers, uh, but their number was very small. And some of them ended up fighting for the North, right? Sorry? They, some of them uh, ended up fighting for the North? Uh, they, they ended uh, up fighting? Mean, yeah, de- yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, they, yeah, and the later some of them were, were, sent back, yeah, were sent back to the South. 
Uh, did you? Um, yeah. So you focus mostly on people living. Yeah, so in, the, in, uh, some yeah. of them went through for education. Yeah. <clears throat> oh sure. Yeah. And so you focus mostly in the, on, in the north. In the yeah, north. That's yeah. the focus of my study. So, yeah. I, uh, uh, did you? Um, yes. Was the number much smaller than? Uh, the, and the, the period was. Fifty-four to, to seventy-eight, right? Uh, Nineteen fifty-four. Oh, you mean that? The period you focus on. The number on. of Chinese in North Vietnam. Uh, how yeah how many uh, how, uh, between 1954 and 1978 was much smaller than uh, I mean there are many different uh, estimates uh, but I think uh, the Chinese government uh, uh, declared in the late 70s and early 80s that uh, nearly 300,000 uh, Chinese from Vietnam had uh, uh, returned to China and most of them were from uh, North North Vietnam. And were most of the people who returned, uh, rather than being business people, were they uh, farmers? Uh, yeah, that's another uh, difference between the Chinese community in North Vietnam and that in South Vietnam. Uh, in the South, you uh, would find uh, many uh, wealthy businessmen among the Chinese, uh, but in the North, most of the Chinese were actually uh, farmers, uh, fishermen, uh, miners, and uh, uh, small retailers. Uh, in the in the cities, and they did not have much control over the economy of North Vietnam. Uh, whereas I think uh, some scholars like to uh, say that uh, in South Vietnam, the Chinese actually had control over uh, the economy of, um, or, or, of of the country right before the exodus. Oh right, yeah, because they had access to the to the political structure, mm -hmm. the influence. <coughs> yeah, uh, how how about the um, how were they treated in the north um, during the period before reunification? Uh, you mean the period that I uh, yeah, studied, right, uh, yeah. from uh, 54 uh, to uh, 78. I think as far as uh, material conditions are concerned, uh, many Chinese might feel that it's actually uh, more comfortable living in the south uh, than uh, in the north uh, during this period of uh, partition. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, generally speaking, there were more economic opportunities uh, in the South. And the Chinese in South Vietnam, they were wealthier than those in North Vietnam. I think this is one of the reasons why, uh, why so many of them decided to move uh, from the North to the South uh, in 1954. Uh, uh, but legally, uh, the Chinese in North Vietnam were treated, I think, more leniently uh, by the government than those in South Vietnam. Uh, in South Vietnam, the government uh, forced the Chinese to uh, change their citizenship, right, uh, to give up their Chinese citizenship to adopt uh, Vietnamese citizenship. And uh, the government also closed uh, Chinese schools and uh, uh, tried to disband Chinese associations. And this did not happen in North Vietnam until I mean, it did not happen in North Vietnam before the 1970s. Uh, in the North, uh, the Chinese were encouraged uh, to adopt the enemy citizenship, uh, but they were not punished if they choose not to. Uh, in fact, uh, the government offered them uh, special rights if they choose to keep their Chinese citizenship. Uh, for example, uh, the Chinese citizens who lived in North Vietnam, they were exempted uh, from military conscription. They didn't have to fight the war, and they also enjoyed more uh, treating rights. And the Chinese had their own schools until the 1970s, and they also had their own associations. 
So as Chinese citizens, they could uh, they could enjoy um, uh, all the rights granted to Vietnamese citizens. And then they also enjoyed some privileges that even uh, Vietnamese citizens could not uh, could not enjoy. Uh, uh, um, um, and also they could uh, join the Communist Party and serve as government officials in North, North Vietnam. So they were treated, uh, I think, before 1976, uh, they were treated pretty well. That's pretty interesting because the narrative uh, in, you know, here in the South, Southern California has always been that, you know, the northern regime is so brutal and, mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, the South was better than the North, you know, according to the mm-hmm. uh, refugee uh, kind of narrative. Um, mm-hmm. How how did uh, how how were they given more privileges in the north than uh, the Chinese in the north than the the Vietnamese uh, residents of the north? Um, the uh, I think the North Vietnamese government uh, they did this uh, because uh, they saw the Chinese in Vietnam, uh, I mean in North Vietnam as representatives of China. And they regarded the relationship between uh, the North Vietnamese government and the Chinese community as part of uh, the relationship between uh, Vietnam and uh, China. So part of that international uh, relationship. So they believe that if they treated Chinese well, the Chinese in Vietnam well, then that would help consolidate uh, the friendship and alliance uh, between North Vietnam and uh, China. So to the North Vietnamese leaders, uh, how to treat the Chinese in North Vietnam uh, at that time was not a domestic issue. Uh, it was uh, treated as an issue uh, between uh, North Vietnam and uh, China because uh, the two countries were allies at that time, and, uh, and the Vietnam, the Vietnamese leaders realized that they needed uh, the support uh, of, of China in order to fight the war against South Vietnam and the United States. So in, in what way were the Chinese given some privileges that the Vietnamese did not have? Uh, yeah, one of the privileges that I have mentioned was uh, that they were exempted from military service. Oh, right, right. So Vietnam was fighting a war at that time, uh, but the Chinese they did not have to. Uh, I mean, they have to, they did they did not have to serve in the military. And uh, another privilege that I uh, uh, a privilege that I have mentioned is uh, that they have more trading uh, trading rights. Uh, trading rights. Yes. Yeah. Oh. And so they could import, and they could cross the border at will. Um, uh, not at will, but, but uh, I mean, they, they uh, uh, pretty uh, if they get uh, got permission, they could travel back to China. Uh, but uh, uh, Vietnamese citizens uh, normally they they could not. Right, 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 right. <coughs> and um, did you do any research into how the South Vietnam in South Vietnam the Chinese during the war, the Chinese Vietnamese. Uh, tried to get uh, support from Taiwan and other places that were, there were other uh, in the diaspora that were anti-communist? Um, uh, sorry, I'm not really familiar with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not an expert on the uh, Chinese community in the South, but uh, uh, I remember reading something about, um, uh, I think it happened in the uh, late 50s or early 60s when the South Vietnamese government uh, uh, adopted a harsh policy, uh, asking the Chinese to uh, adopt Vietnamese citizenship. Uh, I think some Chinese uh, from South Vietnam, they did approach uh, uh, the Republic of China in Taiwan, uh, trying to, to get help. And so there was resistance in the South uh, to that policy? Uh, yes, and uh, I, I, I think uh, uh, both 
China, uh, I mean People's Republic of China and North, North Vietnam uh, offered their support uh, to that resistance movement. But you, uh, you said that policy was actually a mistake, right? Uh, are you saying that it was a mistake because uh, maybe the Chinese in the North should have been assimilated earlier? Uh, you I didn't you argue that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't say that it's a, a mistake. But, uh, uh, what I tried to uh, uh, explain um, is that uh, there were good reasons uh, for the North Vietnamese government to adopt uh, that 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 policy, and actually that policy was preferred at that time uh, by both China, the Chinese government, and the Chinese community. Uh, in North uh, in North Vietnam, and uh, uh, what I wa- uh, want to argue is that <clears throat> that policy uh, sooner or later the North Vietnamese government would have to uh, change uh, that that policy because the long term goal, the ultimate goal, is to turn the Chinese in North Vietnam from foreigners uh, into uh, uh, ethnic groups of Vietnam. In other words, they eventually they will have to adopt Vietnamese uh, citizenship. So change from a sojourner status uh, into mm-hmm. a, a, a permanent uh, residence uh, citizenship mm-hmm. status. Mm-hmm. Um, why? Why did so? You think it was just because of the political situation, trying to get good relations with China? Because Zhou mm-hmm. um, uh, Enlai had also had was was he that had said after the Bandung at the Bandung conference, or after mm-hmm. that that um, Chinese citizens uh, Chinese people in the diaspora should adopt mm-hmm. local citizenship in their countries where they live? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that became uh, China's official policy in 1955. Uh, uh, and, uh, uh, and I think China made that uh, policy change. Uh, the main reason was to try to win over uh, the uh, governments in Southeast Asia uh, because Chinese leaders realized that uh, most of these leaders were worried uh, about the Chinese communities in their uh, countries. They did not want uh, China uh, to maintain political connections uh, with the Chinese communities uh, in Southeast Asia uh, because uh, these leaders, they saw China as a communist country and many of them uh, were anti, uh, anti-communist. So this policy change was uh, part of China's effort uh, at winning over uh, the Southeast uh, Asian uh, government. And I also argue that um, uh, one, actually one of the striking features of all these uh, post-colonial states, including China and Vietnam, uh, they all demanded, undivided, and a complete or total uh, political loyalty uh, from their citizens. And they saw uh, dual citizenship as a kind of divided and a partial uh, loyalty. So it was not uh, acceptable uh, to them uh, at that time. And in the case of uh, North Vietnam, uh, China, uh, PRC, and North Vietnam reached agreement in the late 1950s. And according to this agreement, the two governments would encourage the Chinese in North Vietnam to adopt Vietnamese citizenship uh, through education and the persuasion. And they plan to complete that task in a few years, uh, but unfortunately, uh, their education and persuasion uh, were not as successful, uh, <laughs> not as efficient as they had expected. Yeah. And uh, I, I think most recently, uh, Vietnam has passed a law, uh, a new law which legalized dual citizenship. 
Right. Uh, and uh, the purpose of doing that is to attract uh, those uh, Vietnamese uh, who, uh, who live in Western countries. The government wants to make a better use of their investment and uh, expertise. Uh, but I'm not sure whether this law is also applicable to the Chinese who still live in Vietnam. In other words, I'm not sure whether the Chinese in, uh, in Vietnam, they will be allowed to have both uh, Vietnamese and the Chinese citizenships. And the Chinese government has not yet uh, legalized uh, dual citizenship. Right, right, right. And uh, how do they? What do they call the Viet? I know there's been uh, changes in terminology, but how did the? How do people in the others? How did people in the Chinese in North Vietnam call themselves? And how did the state describe them? What terms did they use? Uh, yeah, before the mid-70s, before the reunification of uh, Vietnam, I, I think they did use that term, uh, Hua Q, uh, uh, which was a direct translation of the Chinese word Hua Chao, uh, and it means the Chinese citizens who live outside China, uh, including those uh, who live in, uh, in Vietnam. And the origin of that Chinese word, I think, can be traced back uh, at the latest to uh, the last years of the Qin Dynasty, uh, oh. when the Manchu, Manchu government started to uh, create laws uh, protecting uh, overseas uh, Chinese. Right? Oh, and I'm Vietnam, not sure... Yeah, Vietnam uh, is not overseas, sorry. Vietnam is not uh, technically overseas, right? But, uh, but that's just the English translation. Chiao uh, 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 yeah. means bridge, uh -huh. right? means a bridge. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, but but Vietnam was considered a foreign uh, foreign country even right. by the sure. uh, Qin Dynasty. Yeah, sure, sure. and I'm not sure when when the Vietnamese Communists started to to use the word, uh, but they did not stop using it uh, until the 1970s, mid 1970s. So until that time, they they used this word to describe the Chinese. At, at least a large portion of the Chinese uh, who live in North Vietnam. And, and I think today uh, the government prefers uh, uh, to describe the Chinese in Vietnam as Ngui uh, Hua, which literally means ethnic Chinese. And more exactly, it means uh, ethnic Chinese who are uh, citizens of Vietnam. Oh, I see, yeah. And in the census, there is a category for Hua, right? Yes, uh, so Hua is recognized uh, by the government as one of the, I think, 54 uh, ethnic groups uh, in Vietnam. So it's an officially recognized ethnic, ethnic group. So the Vietnamese government, they only wanted uh, the Chinese to adopt Vietnamese citizenship. Uh, it has never become official policy of Vietnam to completely eliminate the Chinese as an ethnic group. They wanted it to become an ethnic group of Vietnam. Did they, um, when the exodus, exodus mm -hmm. happened with the boat people, went mm -hmm. some of the Chinese um, assets, uh, I mean the stores and all the property seized uh, in South Vietnam? Uh, 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 yeah, I think it happened in both uh, North Vietnam and, uh, and uh, South, South Vietnam. And, uh, uh, I mean, uh, there, there are practical reasons uh, for that. It's uh, simply impossible for them to, to, to take everything uh, with them. Right? They could only carry um, uh, a certain amount of uh, uh, properties. Uh, for example, they could not take their houses uh, with, with them. Right? But I, I, I remember talking to uh, some uh, restaurant uh, that was in Hoi um, An, and which is a Chinese uh, um, populated um, area, uh, city, uh, and uh, town. And uh, the 
the owner of the restaurant said his father was put into a camp and uh, they had run a pharmacy or um, uh, you know medicinal uh, <coughs> or, you know uh, store and then it became <coughs> so after he got released they had to find some other way they got the property back later <coughs> and then had to open a restaurant uh, <coughs> so there were there was there I mean, not everybody left. So, how were they treated? How were the people who were left uh, treated, uh, who didn't leave? Or was this uh, after the I, war? Was this after the war? And I think in South in South Vietnam, uh, what the uh, what the Chinese hated the most was first the socialist uh, uh, reform, um, uh, which means uh, the confiscation of their properties. Right. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. uh, the uh, the government saw them as capitalists, and uh, there there there. Uh, I mean, there are no place for capitalists in a socialist uh, country. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, another uh, policy was uh, uh, the, the the creation of the special economic zones uh, in the in the frontier regions. Uh, I think many uh, Chinese were forced to relocate to this uh, part of the uh, country. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, the government created uh, 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 the education uh, camps. Uh, I, I, I think, yeah. uh, and some Chinese were also sent to these uh, to these uh, camps. So, yeah, I mean, in the early years, uh, 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 in the I mean, uh, the immediate aftermath of the unification, uh, some of them did uh, suffer from these uh, new policies. So this was the period after your article, right? Because this was seventy five uh, to. Uh, Yes. After seventy-five, uh, yeah. yeah, after seventy-five, and and these are the reasons why uh, many of them decided to leave Vietnam uh, to become uh, boat people. I think. Yes, for sure. Yes. <coughs> um, uh, so, the did you get um, any evidence that the did you come across the, uh, also the term uh, Hua Q being used? Uh, the not Hua Q, uh, Viet Q. Sorry, Viet Q <coughs> about overseas Vietnamese. When did that, did you, in your research, did you come across that term being used earlier than, um, than the 50s or, or not? Um, no, I don't uh, have any knowledge of oh, that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, sorry sorry yeah. about that. <laughs> There's a debate going on. There's a debate <laughs> yeah. going on among the Vietnam scholars about whether that term, uh-huh. when that term was used and um, okay. whether it's um, legitimate. But, uh, uh-huh. uh, so... Th- what we are talking about is the process of how the state defines people. And I remember even in the United States, uh, the, <coughs> the library catalog cards used to say <coughs> Chinese in the United States. Uh, <coughs> you know, and so that kind of, some people argue that that showed a lack of permanence because it showed that we were just uh-huh. uh, sojourners, that we planned to go back uh, as <coughs> Chinese to go back <coughs> to China. And so there are a lot of people protested that, and eventually they, um, you know, the catalogers uh, got the message, and Library of Congress changed the terminology and called, uh, called Chinese in the U.S. Chinese Americans, uh, uh-huh. which may or may not be true because they are, you know, they could be not, uh, they could be non-citizens, but uh, but anyway, so that's the prevalent uh, prevalent term these days. Um, did you see? Uh, did so, so you saw that uh, you were arguing that the the process of assimilation didn't s- succeed very well in the north, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and so um, do you think that's because uh, people wanted to go back to China, or did they plan to le- live in Vietnam? 
Um, was, anyway, uh, were they planning to live there anyway and just visiting China on trips or, or were they actually sojourners? Um, I, I think if the two countries continue uh, to maintain friendly relations, uh, then most of them uh, would choose to stay uh, uh, in Vietnam. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, they decided to leave um, uh, in the late 70s. And, and I, mean, I mean, according to some sources, they were actually forced to, uh, to leave. Uh, in other words, it's not their choice, right? Uh, the government made the choice uh, for them. Uh, and uh, some have written about uh, the Vietnamese efforts at uh, clearing uh, the border area, right? So um, uh, the Chinese would have to uh, move uh, to some other places, right? Either uh, the frontier regions in Vietnam or back to China. I think it's a, uh, a calculation um, um, done by the Chinese, most of the Chinese at that time. I think they saw moving back to China as a better option uh, than moving to other parts of uh, uh, Vietnam. Uh, but another reason, as I discussed in the article, is that uh, uh, I, I think the two governments, uh, they had failed to change the uh, national identity uh, of the Chinese, uh, on, uh, I mean, before the 1970s. So at that time, I think most of them they still saw themselves uh, as, as Chinese, both ethnically and, uh, and, uh, and uh, politically. So if the uh, friendship between the two countries lasts, um, uh, longer, um, and then gradually they uh, eventually will be assimilated, will take local citizenship and become uh, uh, Vietnamese uh, citizens, but they will not give enough time uh, to make that, uh, to complete that transformation. Was there a lot of evidence you, ha you found of intermarriage between Chinese and Vietnamese? Uh, yeah, I didn't, uh, um, I mean, I read some articles uh, about uh, um, those intermarriage families. And I, I know some other scholars, uh, scholars in China, uh, they have done research yeah. on uh, the intermarriage between uh, Chinese and the Vietnamese. I, I think it's rather common. Um, sure, yeah. Uh, yeah. Because uh, people um, have, have you know, names that uh, some people argue trace back to Chinese names, like Tran. I mean, it, yeah. In North Vietnam, it has uh, it has been happening uh, since the ancient ancient time. I mean, uh, you are you are right. Yeah, many many Vietnamese they can trace their ancestry uh, back to the north uh, or to, to 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 China. Another reason why uh, I think uh, intermarriage um, was so common in North Vietnam was because the small size of the Chinese uh, Chinese community. Mm. Uh, they are scattered around uh, uh, the country, so I, I guess they had to. Were they mostly male? Uh, were, the, were the migrants or the sojourners mostly male? Uh, that's only true for, I think, for the early immigrants, for, oh. or for the first, first generation. Oh. And uh, I think during uh, the period that I studied, uh, that's, not, that's not true. Not uh, they, were, uh, yeah. they were both male and female, probably as many female as, as, as male. I've had uh, uh, Bill Di uh, Will William Dwight Diker on my show. Mm -hmm. uh, he wrote a biography mm -hmm. on Ho Chi Minh, and he argues mm -hmm. that uh, that um, Ho Chi Minh had a Chinese wife from Guangzhou before. And then, when he was mm -hmm. on his, when he was on his deathbed, he asked he asked the Politburo to get him a Chinese um, mm -hmm. woman. Mm -hmm. and yeah, they, I, I, uh, there, I have seen some uh, articles. Yeah, uh, yeah. 
in the yeah, Chinese Chinese, Chinese uh, magazine in uh, at, yeah. uh, at the uh, in, in the border states in the province uh, provincial magazine. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, mm-hmm. um, anthropological magazine, the mm-hmm. political magazines. Yeah, they've made that. Uh, they've written about his uh, Chinese wife <coughs> from Guangzhou, I guess. And uh, so, uh, so there is. Yeah, actually, uh, uh, I I think he had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, several. Uh, I, I think he had uh, relations. I mean, according to some scholars, he had relations with at least two, yeah. uh, two Chinese women. Uh, the the Chinese wife you talk about. I think he married that wife in the 1920s uh, yeah. when he was in uh, Guangzhou, uh, serving as a Comintern advisor to right. uh, the United Front, Chinese United Front. And then, uh, according to another source, uh, I think in the 1960s or, uh, the fif- or the 50s, I mean, around that time, uh, he uh, asked permission uh, from both uh, the Vietnamese party and the Chinese party right. uh, to marry uh, a Chinese woman, I think, who also worked in Guangdong at that time, but he did not get that uh, permission. I, I think the younger leaders of the Vietnamese Communist Party uh, they refused to uh, give him that uh, that approval uh, because they wanted to uh, preserve his uh, his image as a selfless uh, uh, great patriot oh, uh, of of uh, Vietnam. So there had been, of course, historical animosity between yeah. between China and Vietnam. Uh, did but the period you were looking at, China was on good terms with um, Vietnam, and so was the. Did you see any kind of hesitancy? Um, in the in the way the Vietnam treated China, uh, were they uh, unwilling to embrace um, China? I would argue that. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I would like to argue that the so-called uh, ancient animosity uh, <laughs> is probably not as ancient as we might want to uh, believe. Yeah. I mean, it's true that there were conflicts between the two countries in the past. Uh, China ruled North Vietnam for over one thousand years. And uh, since Vietnam became independent in the 10th century, uh, China have, I mean, according to a Vietnamese scholar, China, uh, I mean, he did a calculation, China have attacked Vietnam at least eight times, um, and including uh, two times during the Song Dynasty, uh, three times during the Yuan Dynasty, one time during the Ming Dynasty, uh, one time during the Qin Dynasty, and the last time was in 1979, the war between PRC and uh, and uh, and uh, Vietnam and uh, Vietnamese scholars have been debating about uh, whether they should blame the Chinese for the three attacks launched by the Mongols and the one attack launched by the Manchus and whether uh, or not all eight attacks can be described as as invasions and I think these uh, historical conflicts figure uh, much more prominently uh, in the Vietnamese national memory uh, than in the Chinese national memory. Um, uh, and you only need to take a look at the street names uh, in Hanoi uh, to see how uh, uh, prominent right, uh, these these conflicts are in the Vietnamese national collective memory. So, if if such memory does cause animosity, then um, I think it would be reasonable to argue that the Vietnamese animosity towards uh, China was much stronger than the Chinese animosity towards Vietnam. And even today, most Chinese do not know much about uh, those historical conflicts. And they are not aware of the kind of ancient uh, animosity that uh, some modern scholars like to uh, emphasize. And I do see this as a serious flaw 
uh, in China's history education uh, because the Chinese uh, history textbooks, they tend to uh, leave out the, the unpleasant episodes. Right, for sure. Yeah. So if such animosity did exist in the yeah, if the ancient animosity did exist, I mean, it, if it did exist in the pre-modern period, then I would argue that it was uh, a one-sided, um, um, and it did not have much impact on the relations between the two countries. Um, during most of the time since the 10th century, I think the two countries have had uh, a rather stable, uh, peaceful, and a very close relations, uh, despite the fact that, in theory, the two countries were not, uh, were not equal. Yeah, and uh, during this uh, during the period that I studied uh, between 1954 and 1978, uh, the two countries were close allies. I mean, China and North Vietnam, and because of that, both governments they tried to emphasize uh, the traditional bonds, uh, friendship, uh, rather than conflicts between the two countries. Uh, but this did not prevent uh, North Vietnam from using. Uh, some of the anti-Chinese heroes, uh, like the Zhong sisters, uh, yeah. to mobilize uh, people. Uh, and I think the Vietnamese side uh, then started to, to play up this theme, the theme of ancient Chinese invasion, um, uh, in the late uh, 70s, uh, when the two countries became uh, enemies. Right. Uh, so today I believe the, the more recent conflicts, uh, the conflict between the two countries from uh, the late 70s to the early 1990s, and, uh, and the current disputes over the uh, the islands, the Parasyon Spratly Islands, the land, uh, these is, yeah. events have a much more important impact because the, than, than traditional yeah. or ancient animosity on shaping popular perceptions uh, in the two in the two countries. Uh, uh, um, so yeah, yeah, I agree that there are still some uh, ill feelings and. Uh, 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 negative perceptions uh, uh, in in both countries, and I think these will continue to exist probably for for a long time uh, because uh, it will take a long time for people to forget uh, the 1979 war, and it will take uh, probably an even longer time for the two governments to solve the territorial uh, disputes. Because uh, there are some people in Little Saigon that claim that the communist government in Vietnam gave away too much to China in the most recent uh, you know, settlements over the, the disputed uh, territories. Uh, okay, but uh, I mean, in China, there are also people who argue that the Chinese government has given <laughs> too much. So, I mean, there are always, uh, yeah. uh, in both countries, there are doves and hawks, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, sure. That's true probably for every country. Right? Yeah, yeah. And these are the di- people in the diaspora, <laughs> of course, uh, and uh, so they're... They don't like anything the the government does in Vietnam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, even within Vietnam, there there are people who argue that their government has uh, has uh, has given away too oh, much. Right. For sure, yeah. Um, and uh, and in China, I mean, you have a similar uh, ah. yeah you, a similar group who make a similar argument. Do you th- do you think the solidarity yeah. between the two countries during the period you studied was that more a uh, nationalist? I mean, or because they were? Or, <coughs> I mean, was it because they were? Uh, brothers in communism, or was it because they were traditional, you know, ties between China and Vietnam? Was the communist ties were the communist ties stronger then, and that's what dictated the policy on, you know, how they treated Chinese in the north? Or, or do you think it was more traditional ties between? Um, yeah, uh, I think a, a communist uh, ideology. Uh, uh, 
Yeah, communist ide ideology was an important uh, uh, fact uh, uh, because, uh, uh, I mean, at least in theory, uh, they argue that there was uh, this international uh, communist world, right? No matter where you live, uh, North Vietnam or China, as long as it's a communist country, then there is no there was no difference, right? Mm, yeah. uh, so uh, one of the popular slogans uh, promoted by the North Vietnamese government during those years was. I mean, uh, they, they tried to promote those uh, slogans among the Chinese living in North Vietnam, right? Uh, it was uh, to, uh, I mean, the slogan was to, to live in Vietnam uh, was the same as living in China, and to work to fight for Vietnam uh, is just like uh, work kind of fighting uh, for, for, for China. And I, I argue that that's one of the reasons uh, why uh, the transformation um, of the uh, the citizenship, I mean the the political uh, loyalty or political allegiance uh, was was delayed. Right? Um, um, yeah. I mean that internationalist uh, uh, rhetoric uh, was one of the, the factors. The solidarity among you know communists. Uh, yeah, but eventually communists. it was the. Yeah. Yeah, eventually I think it was the nationalistic aspirations uh, of both countries that, that caused the split of the, of the alliance. Sure, and also the, some of the people, uh, you know, was, there was a dispute also over uh, domestic policy they were following. The Vietnamese leadership was following uh, Soviet Union or China, and, you know, there was disputes over where, what, how to do <coughs> domestic policy, farming policy, collectivization policy, that kind of stuff. Uh, but uh, the the common uh, these days mm -hmm. when I go to Vietnam, they say uh, Vietnam follows ch what happens in China five years later. I mean, they they adopt what happens it would happen in ch in Vietnam five to ten years later. Uh, uh -huh. do, you, do you get that feeling now? Mm -hmm. Do you do you, have, uh, do you think that's uh, uh, they look to yeah, that, how I China think, does uh, yeah, that's kind of true uh, for uh, the Vietnam, I think, since probably 1986, uh, since the death of the former uh, leader, Li Yuan. Uh, okay. I mean, the, the adoption of the Doi Moi uh, policy. I mean, their reform uh, policy. There, there are similarities uh, between um, the Vietnamese reform and the Chinese reform. Uh, but I, I have uh, come across, I mean, some... Uh, publications uh, from Vietnam. I mean, the the Vietnamese scholars they they don't they don't like that idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I I think they they don't want people to believe that they are copying uh, uh, China. Uh, but I think it is true that there are uh, similarities um, uh, between the the policies adopted by the two parties. In China, um, and and a yeah. few years ago, there are yeah. uh, people in. in there are people in China who argue that uh, uh, Vietnam, uh, the Vietnamese Communist Party, had moved ahead of China uh, in political reform uh, because I think they uh, they put like two candidates instead of just one uh, for the top position uh, oh. in the in the party uh, election, and oh. they argue that China should should learn from uh, from Vietnam, right? So yeah. I mean, it's 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 mutual uh, mutual exchange. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, it's not just mm -hmm. one way. Yeah. And do you think that, you know, right now the, there's a uh, mm -hmm. blossoming of civil society in, uh, even in Vietnam, there's like, you know, all these NGOs, Vietnamese NGOs, and in China there's a lot, uh, and yet in mm -hmm. China, China is afraid, right? It's now worried about some of the NGOs, 
and they've been trying to um, restrict some of them. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you do you see? Did you see that happening? Have Have you looked mm-hmm. at whether it's happening in Vietnam or not? Or have you read anything about that? Uh, no, I'm not familiar with with that. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah okay. I know there are, there are many uh, NGOs in China, uh, in China now. Uh, that this, uh, I think, the uh, it started to appear in the 1980s, and okay. uh, uh, it. Now I'm pretty sure there are more uh, than um, than there were in in the 1980s. But I I, I read also yeah. some reports that said in uh, Western China they've been you know the Chinese government has been trying to uh, monitor the situation so that the you know they accuse the NGOs of supporting. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I think that's stuff. because the government. Yeah, yeah. They, they they believe that they were involved in um, um, the the Tibetan um, issue, so right. and then, that's yeah. that's a reason. But uh, I I think it's uh, uh, they are not banned in the entire country. Uh, the the NGOs. No, 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 no. Yeah, actually, I was in when I was in uh, Tibet in um, uh, summer last summer. Um, uh, uh, no, in 2006, I, I did met some uh, uh, NGO uh, people there. Uh, they are actually Westerners. They were, uh, I'm not sure whether whether they are still <laughs> right. uh, still there. Probably still uh, not today. there. Yeah, probably not there. Is, is uh, Tibet open now? Do you know? Uh, I know <clears throat> that it was uh, was closed during the Olympics, and is it open back now? Or, or do you know to to outsiders? Do you know? Um, yeah, I'm. I'm not sure about the specific uh, uh, regulations, and even even when it was open to foreigners, uh, I think foreign tourists they need to get like a second visa, oh, yeah. uh, a, a permit, uh, in order to travel to to Tibet. Um, so now it's probably more difficult uh, to 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 get uh, that kind of permit. Uh, but when when I was traveling there, I. Uh, my feeling is that the local people uh, they did welcome uh, 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 tourists. I oh, mean, yeah. both from China proper uh, and yeah. uh, and uh, and abroad, um, as as many as uh, as possible. <laughs> Are you going to continue focusing on uh, overseas Chinese, yeah. or, uh, or what? What do you? What was your next project? <laughs> what is your project after this? Uh, yeah, I, I'm thinking. Uh, I'm thinking about uh, working on a project about uh, uh, Chinese perceptions, mainly uh, uh, Chinese intellectuals' uh, perceptions of uh, uh, Southeast Asia uh, in the late 19th and early uh, 20th uh, centuries. And, uh, for example, how did they react to the American uh, occupation of the Philippines? Ah. And how did they react to the French uh, conquest of uh, uh, of uh, yeah. Vietnam? Um, um, but I mean, I have uh, uh, um, this is uh, still an idea, a rough idea at this stage, and I haven't uh, started uh, uh, to to work on that. But I I do plan to uh, to to work on that as as soon as I can. Yeah, and I that's interesting because I, I in Hong Kong I visited the a museum set up. For um, the memory of uh, Sun Yat-sen, uh, the founder of the Chinese Republic, and they actually sh- showed some money that was uh, some bond money that was issued in Saigon or somewhere in in Vietnam to raise money for the revolution, and was uh-huh. issued in French uh, colonial period of Vietnam, and there was an image of a 
uh-huh. of the of this bond mm-hmm. bond uh, paying the bond bearer or something, some kind of so-called like a currency, I guess, to try to raise mm-hmm. money for the revolution uh, back in the mm-hmm. you know back in uh, mm-hmm. it must be early early part of the night twentieth century, yeah. Um, so the early twentieth century. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, Sunyata, uh, actually met this. Is, yeah, he visited Vietnam, and he had supporters there. Right. And he, uh, his supporters launched uh, a rebellion along right. uh, the border between China and uh, and Vietnam. So he, I mean, he called the overseas Chinese uh, the mother of his uh, revolution. Uh, he had uh, um, um, substantial support. Uh, I mean, they offered substantial support uh, to his uh, to his movement. So these and these, ch- these overseas Chinese in- include the Chinese who live in Vietnam. Sorry, in Vietnam, yeah. These were yeah, northern. Please. Yeah, the, you said they were on the border with China. So they, uh, were they in the north then? The the supporters were also in the north, not just in the south. Yeah, that's uh, that's in, in north. Yeah, in north North Vietnam. Yeah. And with. Were they businessmen? How they had money to give to him? Then uh, wasn't were some of them business people? Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, he received many, yeah, many donations uh, from um, the overseas Chinese. I mean, including the Chinese in in Vietnam. Right? Uh, he yeah. traveled to America too, uh, right, right. Uh, several course, yeah. several times. Of course, yeah. Uh, and and actually, when 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 the revolution uh, broke. Brookcott, uh in 1911, he was traveling in Denver, um, uh, in in America. Right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But you you were saying that in your earlier uh, discussion, you were saying that the people in the north were mostly farmers and uh, they weren't that rich. Uh, but they pulled together money to to support mm-hmm. the revolution. Um, you think? Yeah. Uh, and I, I think at the early 20th century, when Sinyasen was there, there were probably more uh, uh, wealthier business people oh. among the Chinese uh, in, in the, the north. Because uh, as I mentioned earlier, in 1954, uh, many of them, uh, some people argue that it's uh, 60,000. 60, and uh, and uh, some people argue that there were as many as 90,000 of them. Uh, they, they moved from the north to the south. Oh, I get it. Yeah. And I think uh, many of these people, they were business. Uh, yeah, they were businessmen. They were traders, or yeah, business <laughs> people involved in commerce. Okay, so that makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, Sanya Sen went <laughs> to my. Uh, he was a student <laughs> at my secondary school in Hong Kong, so he was a. He wasn't a classmate, of course, uh-huh. but he was oh, a, yeah, a schoolmate. <laughs> a school, a, a oh, school yeah. <laughs> what do you call it? Yeah. <laughs> Okay. So that's, he he went to the school nice for a year. I, I, yeah, I think I visited. I visited the. The, mm-hmm. You visited yeah, the museum. Yeah, I visited the same museum you you you, yeah. you just mentioned. I think. Yeah, it's on a hill. Yes. They now uh, have a catalog. Panshan or yeah. Yeah, Panshan. Yeah. yeah, and they have a mid, oh, le- yeah. mid levels. They have a catalog with uh, uh-huh. all these reproductions of images. So that's where <laughs> I saw the saw the uh, Vietnamese <laughs> uh, um, currency, whatever it was, uh, at the time. Yeah. So wow! So that's a very interesting <laughs> area to f- oh, yeah. focus on, and um, so good luck. Uh, thank you very much for staying so long on the <laughs> show, and uh, I really appreciate it. So um, good luck on your future research. Yeah, thank you for thank you. interviewing me. Yeah, and it was fun. Yeah, thank you very thank much. You. Yeah, bye bye. Bye bye. 
Uh, that was uh, Professor Han Xiaorong in um, from Butler University in Indianapolis, um, in Indiana. Uh, he is the author of a new piece that has just come out in the International Journal of Asian Studies: "Spoiled Guests or Dedicated Patriots: The Chinese in North Vietnam, 1954 to 1978." And as we heard, uh, his uh, thesis was that they were actually treated better in the North uh, than the South Vietnamese government treated the Chinese in the South. Uh, in the period before they went into hostilities, the two countries, um, the um, his focus was on fifty-four to seventy-eight, uh, right bef- right around the, right before the time uh, the country was uh, unified after the U.S. left and um, the uh, North uh, took over the South. Uh, but as he said, the um, the reason the North was uh, the in the North the the Chinese were treated better was because they were treated as sojourners, and the government of North Vietnam at the time did not want to antagonize China, and so they gave them some privileges, including uh, the right not to um, be drafted. The young people in of Chinese families, the young men, did not have to be drafted uh, in the war um, against uh, the U.S., and so that was a big uh, privilege, actually. Uh, whereas in the South, the government uh, forced them to uh, give up their schools. They had to go to, uh, they had to study Vietnamese and such like, uh, things like that. Um, so it was a f- difference in application of education policy as well, where the, uh, the South Vietnamese government uh, forced the Chinese um, residents in South Vietnam to um, assimilate faster and to be Vietnamese citizens, whereas it was uh, not a punishment in the North, as he said, if the Chinese did not take up Vietnamese citizenship. And this was the period before 78, from 1954, when the country was divided, uh, when after the French left. And uh, nine, and the uh, and before the country was unified um, in seventy five, um, so that was our sh- uh, focus on Vietnam. Uh, we will continue to uh, have shows um, focusing on that country, of course, um, because of personal interest and also because of the fact that we have in Orange County the largest community outside of Vietnam. And um, and this is it's often uh, not recognized that many of the Vietnamese uh, residents of Vietnamese American residents uh, could be ethnic Chinese, uh, especially people who run the restaurants in Little Saigon, and so it's uh, easy to you know lump everybody to ethnicity together, but in a period when uh, being a hapa is uh, the vogue. Uh, people say that by the next U.S. Cens- census, most Asians in the census will be hapa. Uh, by which I don't mean uh, necessarily uh, Asian and a Caucasian uh, offspring, but um, offspring of uh, you know 
parentage of a white person and an Asian person, but a person of different ethnicities, like a Japanese and a Chinese um, parentage, or a Chinese and a Vietnamese. And so if that is the case, uh, here's a research uh, project for those of you who are listening and interested, is to find out what ethnicities um, your neighbors are and their parents are and how they trace it back to their homeland. So today we've been talking about the politics of homeland and how that influences how the state and how individuals look at themselves. Uh, we focus more on the state uh, and state regulatory um, issues um, than on the individuals, of course. Uh, his article was uh, more on state regulation and how that differed in the North versus the South in terms of citizenship and assimilation. Um, and those are issues that we deal with here in the United States and especially in California, even especially with the new uh, regime of Obama, who is himself a Harper. And uh, so that is an interesting issue that I hope people would um, take me up on to look at this diversity that exists in Little Saigon and um, de-aggregate or disaggregate the ethnicities that are involved in the populace of Little Saigon and not assume that it's just one ethnicity. Uh, this is Dan Zhang signing off for Subversity here on KUCI. 88.9 FM in Irvine. The opinions expressed on the show were not necessarily those of the regents of the University of California, nor the management of KUCI. Uh, Subversity also has recently uh, been uh, made available on iTunes. So you can go on the iTunes shop and download your favorite Subversity podcast for free. You don't have to pay. Uh, but you can also go to the Subversity website and get our podcast that way. Um, that's e uh, that uh, URL for the Subversity website is kuci.org slash subversity. This is Dan Sang signing off for Subversity.